welcome to the 57th Womanthology Podcast. My name is Fiona Tatton and I'll be your host. Womanthology is the digital magazine and professional community powered by female energy and ingenuity. We champion equal recognition and reward for everyone, sharing opportunities, ideas and a deep pool of collective wisdom, supporting each other to be unstoppable. In this episode, I will be chatting with Sue Daly, Director of Tech and Innovation at Tech UK. Inesh Santos is away, so I will be talking you through the new content in the written issue again on her behalf. A quick reminder that you sign up for the Womanthology newsletter by filling in your details on the front page of our website. That's womanthology.co.uk. You can also join our LinkedIn community by visiting linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash womanthology and find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Welcome to the Womanthology podcast. We have Sue Daly and she is Director of Tech and Innovation at Tech UK. How are you doing, Sue? Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm delighted to be here and yeah, doing okay. It's about to be Easter, so looking forward to a nice long weekend, but doing really good. Well, we are very excited to be speaking with you and I'm excited about the super long weekend as well. <laughs> so I'm going to start off, Sue, by asking you to give us a quick overview of your educational background and career to date to give the listeners a bit of a feel for who we're hearing from and all the exciting things that you've done. Yeah, well, wow, where, where to start? So actually, we were just chatting before we began that you're in the Sheffield area. I was actually born and brought up on the other side in West Yorkshire in Huddersfield and grew up in a beautiful area of Yorkshire. Obviously started school there, but moved down to Northamptonshire. Parents' jobs changed and we moved down to Northamptonshire and went to secondary school in Northamptonshire, did my GCSEs, did my A-levels, as you normally do before we went off to university. Actually ended up back up north and came to York for university for my BA, then ended up in Birmingham for my master's, which I have in international relations and diplomacy. Before then, I suppose, leaping into the big bad world. And you get to that point, you're like, right, well, where do I go and what do I do? And the political world was of interest. So I ended up working within a public affairs agency. That's where I started, parliamentary monitoring. I always say I started at the bottom and I did. It was in a basement in Westminster. So I learned my trade. I learned my craft from the bottom up. And when I was in the public affairs agency, a couple of guys were starting a new unit all around something called e-commerce and something called the internet and e-business. And did I want to join them? do a bit of policy work, do a bit of account exec. And I, I, of course, said yes. I jumped on it. And that led me on to the kind of dot-com boom and bust time. We'd just gone through that. It was the new resurgence of what the internet, what it was going to mean. So I joined them and that ended up with me joining after a few years there at CBI, where I looked after all their, their work on e-business and cybersecurity. And from that, that led me into industry, actually. So I joined a company called Semantic, and ran government affairs for them in the UK and Northern Europe. So all cybersecurity focus and online safety. And then after a bit of a, a gap, which my mother likes to call my adult gap year, I actually qualified as a gym instructor. Personal training sport is very close to my heart. It's a key part of what I do. And after doing a bit of that, I got back into tech. So Tech UK were looking for somebody to come and help them grow a program of work around cloud computing and big data we used to call it big data in the time so I came to do that 
eight years later, I'm still here. And now I look after all our programs of work that look not just at cloud, not just at anything to do with data, but other technologies, of course, like artificial intelligence, like digital ID, like digital twins, and emerging technologies like quantum and metaverse and synthetic data and you name it. So my role has really expanded here at Tech UK and it's been a great eight years here. So could you tell us, Sue, for those of us who aren't familiar with Tech UK, give us a bit of background about the organisation and the types of work that it does and who it supports. Yeah, of course. So Tech UK, we are the UK Technology Trade Association. So if you think about it, we're a membership body. We have about 950 member companies that make up the Tech UK family. And that can range from small digital companies, SMEs, growing digital companies, all the way up to your global multinational names and people that you would know. And it's really a coming together of all the people that are part of that digital technology sector and industry and ecosystem here in the UK. And what we do is we look to showcase and demonstrate and champion the role of these technologies and these people working in technologies of how we get technology right for people, of course, for society, the economy, and also, of course, the planet as well, which is super important. And if we were wanting to imagine you, Sue, on a daily basis, so so I just done a pun there, I didn't realise, Sue <laughs> Daly on a daily basis, what would we be imagining you doing? What sort of things would you be up to? That's a really hard question because I'm sure loads of people on your podcast say this, that every day is different, right? It really depends on the day. I have colleagues and I have teams in my area that work on so many different technologies and I'm working with members and companies that are really at the cutting edge of innovations that can really depend. Some days I can be exploring the possibilities of quantum computing in data centers of the future or talking about AI in healthcare or AI in delivering local public services, talking to sometimes government officials and members of parliament to understand them what the UK's R&D landscape looks like and how do we get that right from a legal and a regulatory point of view. I could be presenting to industry and talking to folk who want to know more about what the art of the possible is around emerging and transformative technologies. I could be here at Tech UK, you know, convening conversations around some really, really big issues like how do we get technologies like AI, like data, right from not just a technical point of view, but from an ethical and social and responsible point of view as well. So every day can be different. And I say that in a way that, well, you all know this, right, in the world of Teams and Zooms and calls, I can be on one call talking about cloud computing and then suddenly the next call talking about quantum and then the next call talking about data protection, data privacy and It keeps me very, very fresh in terms of what's happening in the industry and what's happening in these areas. But no day is the same at Tech UK, which makes it a brilliant place to work. Well, I was super impressed the other day because I was researching Digital Twins and then a Tech UK group popped up for members. But it was great, the fact that there was something that specific. So you're catering for some really broad interests, but you've got specific services that you're supporting as well. Yeah, and there's some amazing companies in the UK that are leading the field in not just digital twins, but like space tech and synthetic data and the future of healthcare. There's some great companies that are really leading the way. So what we try and do is provide a platform to champion what they're doing and talk about what they're doing, but also help our industry, but others as well, because a lot of what we do is open to others to help 
them understand what is happening in the digital and tech sector. I've been in it for a number of years, but it's moving at a pace that I've never seen before, right? So there's lots happening and moving in a way that we need to help bring everybody up to speed on what's happening as well. I've got a question here about sometimes technology is so good. We're not always even aware when we're interacting with technologies now or something that's automated. I suppose that raises issues about ethics and when do organisations need to tell us when we're interacting with AI? Mm. I mean, it's a really interesting question. And I think it all comes down to context and situations and thinking about this. So it's just about to be Easter, right? So loads of people have probably done their online deliveries in their shops. So the timings, the routes, the logistical things in the background that enable all that to happen and perhaps orders, you know, who's going to get dropped off first and things like that. They may all be using AI tools in the background and helping organizations to meet customer needs or meet customer requirements, right? Now, you think about it, you might not necessarily need to know that that's using AI. Do you need to know that that's using some AI tool? It's just enabling your service to be provided to you. You may be booking an airline, you may be booking a flight, your sat-nav may be updating that again, maybe using some AI in the background. I think where the AI ethics conversation comes in is, where AI and you know other technologies, not just about AI, are being used that have an impact, like have a real impact on people in their everyday lives. So we talk a lot about if you're going for a mortgage or you're going for a loan or decisions that impact your life and have a real impact, uh, make a difference. How do you make sure that they are transparent and they are explainable and people have agency about decisions that are being made about them? I think it's important to remember though that when we're not starting from scratch, so there are laws in place, particularly our data protection laws, that mean that you can challenge automated decisions about you. So I'm going to get really geeky here, but Article 22 of our data protection laws protect you being able to challenge a decision and being able to have that understanding as to why that decision has been made about you. So that human in the loop. And I think laws like that are really, really important to to address your point, to enable people to feel like they can challenge a decision, they can get an explanation as to why a system has, with the data that it's using, made a decision about you, if you would like to challenge that decision. Yeah, it made me think today, but just went for a walk around the block before, and the number of people that have got these cameras now on the outside of their houses, and they're probably rigged up to some sort of system, or if you've got one of the automated assistants in your house that's maybe listening to things or there's all sorts of things where technology it can be an amazing thing but there's always a flip side to that isn't it there's always the potential for a a darker side so I think if we've got people like you fighting the good fight (laughs) thinking through all the different options thinking because you wouldn't be aware of many of these things as an individual person so it's, it's people like you that are actually protecting us really well, I think it's really an important part of looking at emerging and transformative technologies, as I talked about before, it's core to what we do, looking at how technologies can make a difference to people and society in their lives, but how we also get it right. How do we get it right from an ethical and responsible point of view? And how do you ensure that, particularly the conversation right now is how we govern AI, what's the governance around AI that we need? And that's important, don't get me wrong, but I think what's also important is that we think about not just the governance, so not just the rules, not just the laws, 
how do we get this right from an ethical and responsible point of view? And how do we make sure that we bring people along with us on this journey? How do we include people in this so that they feel comfortable and confident to use these amazing technologies that I think we're only at the start of, right? I think we're going to see more moving forward as these technologies evolve and so much potential to help us in our everyday lives. I was in Brussels uh, a couple of weeks ago and I was staying in a little apartment. I really needed a few bits and pieces and actually went in, picked my bits and pieces up, went to the till. The machine was, you know, many languages. I could pick the language I wanted. I scanned it. I was in and out. I'm not very good at transversing people with foreign language. It made my life so much easier. So, yeah, you know. When it's done well, when it's done when it's well. Done well. <laughs> but we've got to make sure that people are with us on the journey as well. So I'm going to talk with you a little bit now about chat GPT because it's just everywhere. Everybody's talking about it. So it's like, should it be banned in schools? Should it be this? Should we be using it for job interviews? Should we not be using it for job interviews? Could I even be replaced in the future? You might not need me in the future. It might be a, a chat GPT uh, kind of podcast. It could just do it all for me. Uh, but it's, it's been all over the news recently. And so mm. there was this letter that's been doing the round. So it was the Future of Life Institute has published an open letter calling for the pause of development of what it calls giant AI experiments. Uh, I think was it, it was six months it's been, it said it, everything needed to be paused for, and all these people had signed this open letter. What was your take on all that? Can AI be paused for six months? How would that even work? Mm. It's a really hot topic right now, right? And it's a really key conversation and discussion to have that you're not surprised everybody wants to talk about it right now, which is good, right? I think I would start off by saying that I think the way we need to think about AI is not AI versus or replacing humans. It's how AI technologies like ChatGPT and other large language models work alongside people. So I think you're safe, right? So you're okay. But the letter has certainly created a tremendous amount of global conversation and focus about how we get technologies like AI and particularly large language models and generative AI like ChatGPT, how we get them right for people and society. It's drawn a lot of attention in terms of the issues of how AI technologies are developing and evolving, and they are an evolving technology and they will continue to evolve. So what does this mean in terms of not just from a technical point of view, but I think it's important to think about the impact of how do we get this evolution of this amazingly powerful technology from an ethical and a responsible point of view as well and I think with that conversation the UK is in a really good position we've been talking about the ethics of AI for a number of years Tech UK we've held a digital ethics summit every year we'll be doing our seventh one this year and there's a really live AI ethics community in the UK that's talking about how do we get principles like responsibility, explainability, how can you challenge a decision that's made by these technologies? How do you look at issues like fairness and transparency, which I think is what this conversation's really all about? And how do we include everybody on that? So my take is what we cannot pause is that conversation. We have to keep that conversation going and we need to include everybody in that. And actually the, the UK government's just released its AI white paper and part of that is a, a consultation that is looking at the approach that's being suggested. Is it the right approach? We believe it is the right approach, but how do we make sure that we're governing and getting the right approach going forward? And I think it's a great opportunity for people who have views to provide input into it because it's a conversation that we need to continue having. 
And interestingly, the press coverage quoted around the letter that was written, though, all focused on what was prominent male tech figures as signatories. What can we do to change attitudes around that and make sure that, you know, we're saying prominent women in tech are calling for this as well? It was interesting that I think the letter came out around the same time as the AI white paper came out here in the UK. And I was very busy that day representing Tech UK on the BBC, so on the Radio 4 programme and talking to the BBC TV, actually, and journalists throughout the day. It was a very long day, but it's interesting. I think overall in the tech industry and tech sector, we have to get that balance right. We're not there yet in terms of voices and making sure that we've got the balance right. But in AI, we do have leading voices in the AI debate and community overall. I think that's important to remember. So people like Dame Wendy Hall, who's the chair of the Ada Lovelace Institute, Carly Kind, who's leading the Institute. We have in the UK, a Centre for Data Ethics and Innovation, which is led by Felicity Birch. We've got academics like Beth Singer. We've got many, many people involved in this world. We need more. I'm not saying that we're there yet. But I think we shouldn't just focus on the signatures of the letter. That doesn't give us the bigger picture. I think there are a lot of great, amazing, and there are probably people listening to this now going, why didn't you mention me? There are loads of amazing women working in AI. And we're very, very lucky to have a lot of those here in the UK. And excitingly, we have got a women in AI and robotics issue coming up as well. So we do that every Ooh. year as well. So we, we I Brilliant. speaking with you about that as well. So an opportunity to get some of those people involved in that. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. Just a little sneaky plug. And Tech UK is doing so much stuff around gender balance in tech and also inclusion for other underrepresented groups. Could you talk us through some of the initiatives that are in play at the moment? Yeah, that's so important, isn't it? And it's such an important piece of work. We have done for many, many years. We have a skills, talent and diversity program we have done for many, many years, focusing on how do we move forward? How do we look at how we support not just women and other people wanting to come into this industry, but also importantly, how do we keep the people that we have as well, right? So we just actually, it's top of my mind. Obviously, March, we have International Women's Day, but in March, Tech UK, did a month-long campaign about women in tech and marching forward. How do we move forward with getting gender balance correct in this industry? And what we looked to do was showcase a lot of different women in a lot of different roles that you may not normally hear from. So you go to events and you sometimes see the same people at the same events or talking at the same panels. So how do we mix that up? How do we get those other voices of those women who are doing some amazing things in tech? So if you haven't checked that out, go to our website and check out the March campaign. We've got a lot more focused work around how do we move this forward? It's not just, of course, about one campaign in one month. It's a year-long piece of work about how do we address diversity and inclusion in tech? So it's not just about gender, it's diversity and inclusion. We also have policies at Tech UK ourselves, like no male-only panels, so no manuals and things like that, so that we are trying ourselves to how do you say, be the, well, to use a probably misquote, to be the change we want to see. But it's something that I do feel like we're making progress in some areas, particularly in our areas like AI and digital ethics. When I look at our digital ethics summit, our agendas, our speakers, who's attending, the balance is good. But there are some areas of the industry that are not so good. So there's a lot of work still to be done. But I'm really reassured when I go to events now. I used to go to events, Fiona, back in the day. 
And I used to be the only woman there. I used to stand out like a sore thumb because I was the only woman there. But people did remember me because I was the only woman there. But when I go to events now, I'm not. And that's brilliant. But we definitely need to keep marching forward on this issue. Definitely. And actually, part of why we do what we do as well is creating this safe space where we can showcase people, they can share their ideas. If there's a particular piece of work, if there's a particular area of expertise, then that's really what we're all about, as well as saying, here's a platform. Tell us what you're passionate about. Tell us, bore us. You're not going to bore us, but just tell us everything. (laughs) We want to know it all. We're lapping it all up. Just, yeah, just share it. Share it with us. Yeah. And get more voices out there, right? Because young people and people coming through will hear those voices and that's what we need to be doing to getting people coming through and I think if you've got a platform or it is a safe space where you can just share everything I think practice makes perfect as well so the more you do it the more comfortable you become with doing it as well and it just becomes the norm so what is coming up next for you what are you looking forward to it can be in work it can be out of work it can be we've talked about Easter so Easter Mm-hmm. long weekend gotta be good yeah good looking forward to a bit of a rest over easter what are we looking forward to well the next big thing well there's always the next big thing but june will be london tech week which i'm sure many of your listeners will be coming along to if they are and they see me out and about come and say hi so london tech week is an amazing week but also one where you know when you get to the end of it and you're like oh my god i don't think i can do any more but that's a great opportunity to see loads of people We're working with our members on the AI white paper consultation, which is really, really important. So how do we get that right? Oh, there's so much going on. We just had a UK quantum strategy. So how do we move that forward and talk about that? We've got events coming up on cloud sustainability and working on the digital ID trust framework. It never stops. So lots and lots to come up. Personally, outside of tech, well, as I mentioned, sport-wise, I'm a bit of a swimmer. So I am currently training to swim around Manhattan in New York in September. So that's, if I'm not working on tech right now, you'd probably find me in a swimming pool doing hours and hours of training for a massive swim in September. That's got to be cold, Sue, surely. Well, it will be cold. Well, if I did it right now, it would be a lot cold, but September-wise, it should be quite equivalent to the English Channel, which I did a couple of years ago. So the cold, I think I'll be okay on. It's just the the length of the swim it's about 28 miles so yeah it's a big swim wowzers wow sue well all the very best for that so would it be all right if we stayed in touch with you from a tech perspective but also from a swimming (laughs) in new york kind of perspective absolutely that would be fabulous so just to say thank you so much it's been a great pleasure and yes so just thank you so much sue daly As Inesh Santos, our associate editor, is away at the moment, I'm bringing you the new stories in the written issue on her behalf. Stories include Vel Georgieva, software engineer and head of mentoring at North Coders, discusses how she loved taking part in the North Coders coding bootcamp so much she ended up joining the company. Phoebe Ing, smartphone product management placement student at Samsung, shares why perfection is a social construct, so we need to stop worrying about being perfect and focus on being human. And finally, longtime friend of Womanthology, Naomi Timperley, co-founder of Tech North Advocates, tells us about driving productivity from inclusivity in tech.
do check out our website, womanthology.co.uk, to read the full stories. Sadly, that's all we have time for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share the link to the show on social media and also follow the show. Your feedback is really important, so please do rate and review the show in your podcast app. Join us in the next episode and written issue where we will showcase the careers of women working in the space sector.